Kelly Wirt here with Grace-Based Families. Today's episode is going to be part of a conversation about bringing grace into the workplace. In this series of episodes, we are going to talk to leaders and innovators in the marketplace, hear their stories, and learn how living out a gracious life at work has transformed the culture of their companies, as well as improved their own experiences at work a place where many of us spend a huge percentage of our lives. Please share this episode with anyone in your life who could use some grace at work. Hey everyone, I am Tim Kimmel. I'm here with my colleague Michael Tooker, and normally you'd hear Karis Murray's ver- voice and Michelle Brook. They, they are the the co-host of the Grace Based Family podcast, but we asked them to kind of let us borrow the studios here for a few sessions as we bring in some some friends and guests to talk about this whole thing of grace in the marketplace uh, based off a book that Michael and I just published called Grace at Work, How to Get More from Your Job Than a Paycheck. And, uh, and, and, and we have a, a wonderful guest to talk with today, so I'm going to pitch it over here to Michael because Michael is a you know he is an international man of mystery and a guy that has been in in the uh, the thin air reach uh, levels of of uh, executive leadership in the marketplace for 25 years. He uh, is you'll if if you read the book you'll find out he figured out uh, how to climb the ladder very fast because the way he was raised and and trained, but he also found out that you can find that ladder leaning against the wrong building if you don't know what you're doing. And God has uh, done some amazing things to him and now amazing things through him. Glad to have you with me here, Michael. Well, thank you, Tim, as always. And uh, welcome to our uh, listeners of the Grace-Based Families podcast. Uh, we have a really special guest today. Uh, his name is Will Rodolfi. And uh, if I'm an international man of mystery, Will is a renaissance man. There you go. Uh, yeah, he's a renaissance man. man. That's a he, title. And in that, yeah, you can well, put that I, on your. I, I can never do that because there's a lot of vowels and so I couldn't spell Renaissance, so I have to do something different. Mm-hmm. But that's a good yeah. one for Will. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what he's. Uh, he's a man of Midwestern roots, so he's a, a good, solid Midwestern man. He's a, an avid traveler and photographer. Um, he grew up in a, an eight-person Catholic household, so he's uh, he's learned how to survive at the dinner table uh, with, a, with a large family. He was an athlete. No, with five uh, sisters. Top. Five older Five sisters. sisters. Exactly, exactly. Yep. Oh, man. And uh, yeah, he was an athlete all the way through college. Uh, he's lived in seven states, uh, sometimes uh, picking a state more than one time. So he uh, went back for seconds. And um, he's uh, he's a serial entrepreneur. He, he, do, he doesn't didn't officially say that in his bio. But uh, when you when you kind of look b- behind the curtain, you realize this guy has there's something about him. He's just wired uh, as an entrepreneur. He's built mm-hmm. a few different companies across various industries. And he's currently the director of business development and partnerships uh, at an uh, an EV startup in Mesa, Arizona, called Atlas Motor. And if you know anything about that space, which is actually a space that I kind of walked in for the last uh, seven and a half years or so in the whole world of uh, traffic data and, and analytics and uh, uh, autonomous vehicles, it's a it's a crazy space. There's a lot going on in there, a lot of money flowing in, a lot of legislation, a lot of uh, invention and uh, startups. And uh, he uh, happens to be uh, blessed to be in uh, that role he is with Atlas Motor. And they're about to go uh, public on NASDAQ soon. So that's an exciting moment, uh, but a pressure-filled moment uh, for a company. So, uh, so Will, welcome. We're really excited to have you with us today. 
Appreciate, appreciate you guys uh, having me on today. Super excited, super um, stoked to be here. So thank you again and appreciate the intro there. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, Will, just for starters, uh, tell, tell our listeners about your role in your company and, and specifically your role with Atlas Motor Vehicles. Yeah, so, you know, when I first started with Atlas, actually, um, I was working with a company previous before this called Exos. And really what they do is they manage um, the health and wellness of like big Fortune 100 companies. So I was a, a business development manager for them and brought on some really big clients like Lululemon um, and Adobe. And um, essentially what they do is they make sure, you know, companies, employees are healthy um, so that they can do the work they need to do and be productive in the workplace. Um, you know, and I kind of stumbled across Atlas um, actually just via a job ad. I, you know, COVID had just hit. Exos was thinking about, you know, not necessarily laying off people, but putting people on a furlough because they understand like, hey, we don't know from a foreseeable future perspective what this looks like. So my journey towards Atlas was just out of curiosity. Um, I saw that EVs were becoming becoming a really, really big thing. Um, and so I looked around, you know, just around Phoenix here, and this is seemingly becoming a, a big hub for electric vehicle manufacturers and technology and all sorts of things. Um, and they brought me in initially actually to help raise funding. Um, and our vision at Atlas is quite large um, from a perspective. We're not just a regular vehicle OEM. We're actually thinking about building like a house from the foundation up um, rather than just being a parts integrator. So what that means is we're developing battery technology, charging systems, everything to be kind of like a, a full scale thing, um, you know, through the entire ecosystem of the EV space. So that's kind of you know, what we're doing in, in the EV ecosystem, I guess, is the way we like to call it. And what I do now, when I first was brought on, like I was saying, I was brought on to actually, you know, do a bunch of funding opportunities with what is known as like a Reg A campaign. It's a, it's a regulated crowdfunding campaign where you are essentially doing like mini IPOs mm-hmm. uh, or a mini IPO and you allow to sell some of your company, you know, common stock to retail investors like you and me, not necessarily accredited investors or institutionals. Mm-hmm. You can just like anybody who's a normal person with 250 bucks or more in their, um, you know, their wallet. So um, with that being said, I've actually transitioned into this business development role. That's mostly been what I, what I've always been doing since I got out of college um, was doing BD roles and things like that. So, um, you know, now I'm responsible for bringing on customers because since we are making our own battery cells and packs that go into our, our heavy duty pickup truck, we're actually utilizing that as its own vertical. So we can sell battery packs to EV manufacturers, to small vehicles, construction companies that are looking to electrify their solutions. Um, everyone's kind of going into this space, um, from an electrification perspective, because you've probably seen it all over the news. There's a lot of different climate actions, climate policies, um, I'm trying right. to decarbonize the world in, in some way, shape, or form. Um, so we're kind of making it possible for not only, you know, ourselves to be successful long-term from a vertical integration perspective, but also selling this technology to non-competitive companies that are looking to electrify their solutions. So that's essentially what I do today. Yeah. Well, is, it, it's fair to say, at least as you, as you describe that, Will, I, to me, that sounds like um, a high-pressure, high-stress, a uh, lot at stake, right? There's just there's there's so many different elements and a level of complexity in that, and and uh, and and one of the things that Tim and I talk about in our, our book uh, Grace at Work is just this notion of how do you deal with difficult people, right? And I'm, I'm just my sense would be you probably run into as as a BD guy out in the in the you know on the front lines downrange, 
you're running into a lot of difficult people. Maybe talk about what 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 kind of things do you see in terms of the, some of the difficulties relationally, and how do you how do you think about navigating those? So, what's interesting about what we're doing? There's really only other one other company that's really done this in this mm-hmm. space, and that's actually Tesla. But mm-hmm. Tesla is a very lifestyle focused um, company. They're doing very similar applications from you know not only just vehicles, but they're doing. You probably heard about their solar roof, their mm-hmm. megawatt yeah. battery packs for energy storage applications. That's mm-hmm. you know what they're doing in that space. But we're really work industry focused for people who dig, for people who yeah. you know do construction that are building things. We're really trying to provide those solutions. So if we're going to you know, talk about the people that I encounter, I, I encounter a lot of people who are very old school OEM perspective, mm-hmm. not really, um, I, w- I would really like to call it more a limited mindset when it comes down to, mm-hmm. um, you know, a company like ours doing various different verticals with our technology at the foundation of it. Um, you know, a lot of people ask us or, or tell us to our face and you're doing too much or you're, um, you know, why don't you just focus on being a battery manufacturer and that's it. But our vision is much bigger than that. It's, mm-hmm. it's be- creating this connected ecosystem that really provides less headaches in what we do, whether it's, you know, moving around throughout the day in a vehicle or charging at home or, yeah. um, you know, really just, whatever you're doing from a work perspective, providing a solution that takes the headache out of things. Um, and, you know, a lot of, um, you know, we have a lot of haters out there. I'm not going to lie. We, um, a lot of trolls, we get a lot of people all over social media that yep. say we're doing too much or we're, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we should just focus on one thing and do that. But it's mm-hmm. for us, it's not necessarily about that. It's about providing this whole ecosystem um, that is built off of the battery technology, essentially with software and cloud services being connected to it. So that's, Say if, mm-hmm. say if I lend you my car or yeah. um, and you have an XT, but like yours is out and uh, mm-hmm. my pickup truck, I, I lend it to you. You can actually go in and like just type in um, mm-hmm. a number and it'll just see to exactly what you want. Really creating a, a really unique customer experience for a work solution. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That's really what we're about. And I just encounter so many people that are just telling me. Mm-hmm. a lot of negative things about what we're doing, but they don't yeah. that that to me mm-hmm. that also, you know, signifies that they don't understand our broader vision. Um, mm-hmm. you know, not a whole lot of people do understand things like that. So um, it's okay. You know, there, we've, we've heard, you know, over, we've got over 30,000 investors in the company, which is a very, very um, yeah. awesome thing. Um, yeah. And a lot of people who do understand it, but there's a lot of old school OEM manufacturers, OEM partners that are just like, this is totally different than anything that's ever been done besides Tesla. And Tesla right now is the behemoth in the in the industry. So um, although we're a lot smaller, we're scaling and um, we've got a really large opportunity to make a really massive dent in the uh, in the EV space. You know. What you're talking about there, Will, is uh, the marketplace going through a, a seismic shift, which is which is which is done here in this whole, um, um, you know, the the electric electric vehicle uh, world and and uh, uh, environmental issues and so forth. And we've seen this happen in in the marketplace through history. You know, when when mm-hmm. when when they created a car, it, it was a Everybody was going every around in, in, in horse and buggy, and there was people just screaming, you know, well, well what are we going to – I make buggy whips. What am I going to do? And uh, we employ all these people over here for these horses. What are we going to do? And so that it, I think it creates fear. A lot of people. Then Amazon comes along, and look what it's uh, – how it's impacted the, the, the local retail and so forth industry. So 
but these are part of uh, of, of a thriving economy and, and an exciting part of the future. But you're going to have pushback. But I, I also think that um, no matter who we are and no matter where we work, we also work with individuals, not necessarily our competitors, our, our fellow employees. And everybody seems to come to work with a mind of their own. They have a backdrop. They have, a, they have their own story they're telling. They have families. They have, some of them are married. Some of them have children. And, and there's dynamics that go on there. And we can try to keep everything in the realm of this is work. But the fact is these are people, <laughs> you know, with bigger lives. And, um, and, and this is where I think our attitude towards them as human beings makes such a big difference because we can just be looking through that, that lens of the marketplace, and that's one thing. But then when you, when you realize these are people, sometimes they're very fragile. Or sometimes they have quirks about them that are, there's nothing bad about them. It's just, but, but it can be annoying as can be. And somewhere we have to decide, mm -hmm. is this worth making an issue out of? when these are incredible people uh, what have you mm -hmm. learned as far as from from your background and having five older sisters and everything else how do you how do you help maintain a sense of esprit de corps with the people you work with and for um because i think that's vital to the ultimate productivity of anybody i think if there's one thing that my five sisters have really taught me um i would say patience Mm -hmm. is a very, very big piece to anybody that you work with, whether it's internally or externally, because um, we've all got different viewpoints. We've all got um, different things that are going on in our lives externally outside of work. Um, so we don't know what everyone's going through. Um, exactly. You know, the, the way I like to think about it is, um, you know, we think about heroes in our in our lives and we think about, um, you know, things that they've done that have been seen in the public eye. But you know, to me, I, I, I mean, it's very hard to recognize a hero, but there's heroes out there that nobody knows about because of the battles that are going on that mm -hmm. none of us know about that they're going through. That is powerful um, stuff you're saying. Yeah. And, and so I think that um, I have to look at every interaction as something, regardless of how time sensitive it might be, um, you know, regardless of what's happened to me through my day, um, you know, I really have to trust in God to tell me to be patient and always keep reminding me of that. Because if I don't, that can create riff. It can do a lot of different things. Um, you know, between me, my family, my coworkers, and also the people that I work with externally um, from other companies as partners. Um, patience is such a big thing. Um, I think that we all, you know, can learn to exercise more um, just because it's, it's, it's a very, very powerful virtue that God's really graced us with. Um, so well, that's know, where I'm, I think that's one of the biggest issues I try to really, um, you know, try to utilize in my life. Grace-Based Families, we're all about helping people bring God's grace to the forefront of all areas of their lives, and this includes our lives at work. Whether you work from home, work in an office, or are running your own business, how we treat the people we work with can define the culture around us and make or break how we experience our lives at work. Our ministry is excited to be launching a great new resource called Grace at Work, a book by Tim Kimmel and Michael Tooker. Find out more about the book at graceatworkbook.com.
Now back to the Grace Based Families podcast. I, I heard just recently of a of a uh, of a leading physician, surgeon, but the the complaint about him is he just can really be very difficult up close and personal and the relational stuff. He's so good at what he does that everybody wants him working on them, but they just, you know, he's so quickly written off. Well, then you find out something that he doesn't let anybody know about, but he is, he is living constantly in constant pain hmm. because of some injury he had. And he, hmm. he, he, he is uncomfortable all the time physically, and yet he's trying to do his very best you know, for everybody else. And that, I think what Will, what you're saying there, Will, is we don't know the backstory mm-hmm. on everybody. And it, it, and, and, but, but I think grace gives them the benefit of the doubt mm-hmm. and says, look, regardless mm-hmm. of how they're playing out and, 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 and how difficult they may be to work with, I want to, I want to give them the benefit of doubt. There's, there's a, there's a, a brilliant human being, a precious human being, Mm-hmm. that uh, I am working hand in hand with, and I want to do my best to use my words and my mm-hmm. actions to bring the best p- person out of them, yeah. no matter what mood they're in or how it's going. Yeah. Well, we, we, you know, we talked to him in the book about this idea of freedoms and how important it is to grant people freedoms. And, and Will, the way we describe that is that, uh, that, that, that you want to, if you want to create an atmosphere of grace, right, you, you give people the freedom to be vulnerable and candid and to make mistakes and to be different or unique. And so, but, but I like how you said that, you know, to, to tie that back to patience is if you're going to grant people those freedoms, you have to be really patient right? because they can, um, they, they can, they can, they can bring the worst out of it. They can push us to our limits. Right. And so to really be a servant to others and granting those freedoms, it does take patience. Can you maybe talk about a time when, when patience served you well, like when you, you came into that situation where you really had to be patient with somebody, but at the end of the day, that patience was rewarded in some way, relationally or in your business or, um, you know, just in, in, in that person's life. Curious if you can, if you can put a, put a story to that. Um, I would say, I mean, I could probably narrow down a lot of stories, whether it's with my five sisters yeah, right, uh, right. in many of those situations growing up, um, even to this day that where I've had to, um, you know, exercise a significant amount of patience um, that ended up, you know, in a very rewarding situation um, because of that. Um, from a work perspective, um, you know, given what we're doing and everything that we're kind of representing from a, um, you know, a product perspective that we're putting out in the market from battery packs to, you know, chassis to the vehicle, um, a, a big piece of that is, um, you know, it's really vetting technology and, and really allowing our, our customers and, and those that I develop relationships with on the back end um, to really understand what we're doing, but also, um, you know, realizing that this is not, you know, we're not just a regular OEM again. Like this is something that's very novel. It's something that really, once again, hasn't really been done in this industry. So mm-hmm. you have to keep educating people a little bit more on like how you're really taking your approach and why. Mm-hmm. Um, and even if they don't get it right away, you still be persistent in, in being patient with them, but also um, continuing to ask questions. Cause that's a, that's a big piece to it is yeah. understanding what's their pushback. What is their um, understanding of how they believe they, you know, this relationship could really go. Mm-hmm. And the way that, um, you know, I would probably preface that is 
with battery packs with any sort of vehicles, especially at a large commercial level. And let's just say like large enterprises that I deal with, um, you know, those lead times on, you know, developing, say, uh, you know, a sale or just, a, you know, a true partnership, a strategic partnership that can take numerous months um, to do that. Yeah. And so for me, that's really just about I don't want to say massaging the relationship, but it's really fostering, um, you know, that you understand where they are in their processes because they have to go through this lengthy process of, you know, vetting technology and really getting down to the nitty gritty, really into the weeds of everything that we're doing from a technology perspective, but also how they could go about it from their corporate development because they're their own company. They have their own goals, um, you know, and really trying to grace them with, um, you know, the patience that I have to have internally and letting them know that like, hey, it's we don't need an answer today. We we just want to make sure we're, we're dotting our I's and crossing our T's the right way as we move through this relationship together, because that's really what it is. It's a partnership. So you don't want to have any sort of situation where, you know, tensions run high or, you know, you're just you're really approaching it from uh, a sense of clarity on all the communication fronts. I mean, uh, a big piece to our company is transparency. So, you know, if, if you think it, say it, but make sure you do it in a way that, um, you know, you, you're really fostering that relationship going forward. Yeah. Right. Um, that's something we really believe in because if we're not being candid, especially with our partners, um, then there's a lot of gray area that that leaves. And then there's a lot of assuming and, and, and you don't want that in any sort of, um, you know, internal relationship, but also external relationship with customers and partners. Yeah. Yeah. And that's tough. I mean, I've heard, I've heard it said that, 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 um, uh, um, relationships are the glue behind every good deal, right? And mm -hmm. every good partnership. And so when you talk about that, that, that candor, right, that's, that's hard to create an environment, particularly when everybody has their different interests and perspectives mm -hmm. and needs. And so to create that environment, right, where you can be, you know, honest and candid with, uh, with one another, that's, that's tricky to do. But when you thread that needle, um, I think that's, that's a, that's a key to building trust in a relationship is, is that mm -hmm. uh, you know, establishing that candor. Well, yeah. I think too about all the different personalities that are uh, that come from the different departments of a, of a big enterprise. You know, the R and D people, the the the, the technical people. They're, they they tend to be wired one way. The sales force is another way. The vision casters are another way, and yet they get in the same room sometimes, and they're they're dialoguing. And I think it it, it Grace would call us to have an assumed respect, honor, and uh, and all, to hear what's coming out of them, even though it's going through, let's say, let's say you're a visionary and it's running through your visionary type of mind. But here's a bean counter type person over here uh, and and they're they're counting the costs as it's coming in. And, and everybody's having to be able to say what's on their mind. But but do it in a way that it, being in an atmosphere where they feel like. I'm not going to get my head handed back to me or I'm not going to be the subject of humor and, and put downs and private conversations behind my back just because I'm different, just because I'm wired this way. And, and, mm -hmm. I, and unfortunately, though, Will, I, I think there's a lot of companies that struggle with uh, creating a, a, a gracious atmosphere, an atmosphere that brings that is desiring to bring the best. You guys are committed to transparency, to candor. Um, those, those are wonderful features, but those are also dangerous features. Because mm -hmm. let's say I came from a company where if I showed candor, I also have to have my resume um, ready to go, you know, because <laughs> uh, there's a good chance if I, if I tell you honestly what I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to be sent out the door. 
-hmm. And to create a company that encourages that, and uh, you know, it, it, I think it's vital, especially now, as we move into this new future type of marketplace we have. Yeah, and, and I mean, I think that goes to show, too, also with, you know, media and everything that is happening in our world today, you know, there's, you know, from everything from, you know, false information or misinformation, um, it's better to be on the forefront of transparency and candor um, internally and externally, whether it's with your stakeholders that are external or um, everyone on, on the internal side, um, a big piece of our internal um, you know, candor and, and transparency is always just be team first. Um, you know, any sort of company, you don't want to put together a bunch of individuals that are only thinking about themselves. Right. Um, you know, you want to have a common mission, a common goal um, for what you're doing. Um, and our, just for example, like our company is really out to change the world um, in a very significant way. Um, and so when you do that and you put the team first, it, it brings a lot of camaraderie. Um, but anytime that there is a moment of candor or, um, you know, transparency that might seem questionable, um, we all realize that it is coming from a perspective of team first because that's what we've committed to. Um, so I, I think that also allows us to really, um, what I would say, filter from a perspective of, um, you know, those perspectives, I guess, um, when people bring them to the table. Um, it's not necessarily an attack because that can always be seen that way. Um, yeah. Like they, if they have a perspective or an opinion, um, they can always seem like there might be an attack on something. But in reality, just due to personality types, this is one thing we've done in leadership training um, at our company is understanding your teams, understanding who people are from a personality perspective, whether they're an introvert um, or a driver like myself. Um, you know, there's four different personality types that are out there and understanding how to really mitigate those relationships based off of those those personality types um that also really um fosters a really good perspective um you know of candor and transparency so that you understand where they're coming from when they say something um and they want to be transparent but they but you also have it in your mind that you know it is very team first so um that i think really helps us um, in that regard to, you know, okay, they're saying this from a place of love that this is for the team, not necessarily for themselves. So right. it really helps. Right. Well, and there's particularly power in that when you, when you say team is first and team is a, is a compilation of these different people and we're going to feature the very best of each team member for the benefit of the team and we're going to protect each other, right, where there, we know there's blind spots, we know there's weaknesses. Because if you get that flipped, Right. It can be it can be a complete hot mess. Right. If we're if we're like stifling each other's you know strengths and we're we're picking at each other's weaknesses and, you know, that, that, that's just a recipe for a, a team failure. But it sounds like you've you've done a nice job of getting that getting everybody in the right seat, putting, you know, understanding each other and, and putting that team first is a, is a pretty powerful, powerful thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's it's also, you know, whether you have a problem or not, it's being very solutions oriented. So you have a problem. It depends on what that problem is, but let's not sit and talk about it and, and, and bicker back and forth. We have a problem. We know what the solution is. How do we get there? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a, a really good um, dynamic that we have in our team because you get a bunch of software people, you get a bunch of hardware people, all these engineers, mm -hmm. and then you get the visionaries and the C executives and the, the higher ups mm -hmm. um, who are in a room who are more 
you know, uh, vision focus, more business focus. It, it can be a, it can be a clash of people because, sure. you know, uh, you know, a CEO or somebody can have an idea, mm-hmm. but then an engineer will tell them it's impossible, but the CEO is there to motivate them to find that solution. So it can be a, it can be a sticky situation from time to time and things can get heated. But as long as you, like I said earlier, you have that team first mentality and you have, uh, the same common goal in mind, you understand that it is coming from a place of love, but you just have to be patient in finding that solution and, and doing it in a very um, process-driven way. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. My guess is your time at Atlas Motor, you've uh, you've learned a lot, right? When you when you're in those kinds of environments, man, the, the learning curves are steep, and the you know you evolve rapidly. If you could, mm-hmm. uh, let's say, offer yourself some advice five years ago, or let's say maybe just even before joining Atlas. What would what advice would you give yourself? Yeah, based on what you've learned along the way now, <laughs> if yeah. you could go back five years, mm-hmm. that'd be interesting to think. So we all go through life, especially I think when when you're young and you come out, whether you go to college or not. There's always a lot of what ifs. You know, what if I do this? What if I do that? Um, you know, we, I would say we, as humans, we are creatures of second guessing ourselves almost on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think from my perspective as a, as a business development kind of person, um, you know, I, I thrive on relationships. So, you know, whether it's just developing, you know, a relationship with someone at the gym that I run into that I see that, you know, let me just give perspective. I I like Jordan shoes, Nike Jordan shoes. If I see someone with some Nike Jordan shoes, I'm saying, hey, man, I like those Jordan 10s or whatever it is. Um, You know, finding a little bit of a common ground with people and developing relationships just out of the sheer blue. I think that um, is something that really has driven me lately um, over the last few years. But like five years ago, I'd be like, oh, what what if I reach out to this person on this um, you know business networking website, say like a LinkedIn or something like that, and I want to learn more about what they're doing. You know, you get those what ifs, um, whether it's that or someone starting a new business or um, trying to figure out if they need to go a certain route. Uh, I, I think it's more you, you're going to have those what ifs, but then if you just put your foot down and you just go do it, you'll either find out in the process that maybe it wasn't a good idea or maybe it was an amazing idea and look where you're at now. Um, I think that's a very powerful thing because if you can just take action more so than, um, you know, really, really just keep beating yourself in your own head, Mm -hmm. I think that's a a big piece to progress in one's life is just going out there and doing it because action speaks louder than words, even the words that we say internally in our own heads. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Will you are you're hitting you're hitting it right on the money because uh, doubt and um, um, our, our fragile natures, the second guessing, is what I think limits so many people from ever coming close to what their potential is and what they could be. And uh, but guys like you in the marketplace, men and men and women like you that say I I have these fears, I have these doubts, they're real, but I'm not going to let them mm-hmm. hold the high ground. Uh, I must. I must bust through them, and and yeah, I'm going to take some risks, and some of these things will work, some of them won't, but we'll be smarter on the other side, one way or the other, and we keep falling forward. I, I had a football coach that uh, he we we weren't doing too well on one practice, and he says, I think you've forgotten what the the the, the object of this game is. We're playing. He says he says we're playing a game where we hand you the ball, and you your job is to fall forward. And we looked at him like, what is that about? And he said, the key word here is fall. You're going to get tackled. You're going to get creamed. 
just try and get a few yards from where we handed you the ball, and eventually somebody falls across the end zone, and we get some numbers up on the sign. And I think five years ago, ten years ago, when you were starting your journey as, an, as a young entrepreneur, uh, you probably got knocked backwards many times, but you just kept picking up the ball and falling forward. And I think it's amazing to see where you are now at such a young age um, and, and uh, this in, incredible company that you guys are building. It's fun to see. Yeah, definitely. I think um, one of the things I've learned, especially in business development, sales, you're never going to, you're not going to win 100% of your sales. I played collegiate baseball um, at the D2 level and, you know, baseball is a, it's a sport of failure. Um, if you, <laughs> if you, get a, if you get a hit three, three times out of 10 and you do that in your entire career, it's funny to say that 30% success is yeah. hall of fame career, Hall of Fame. you know, yeah. so exactly. it's, that something? it's one of those things where you really just have to continuously roll with the punches, um, and get knocked down eight times, get back up nine. Um, you know, it's, it's really just, the sun's going to go down and it's going to rise again. It's a new day to go out and, um, you know, push forward. You know, we also get caught up in our own heads and in our own lives, uh, you know, from a perspective of I'm not making progress. I'm not getting where yeah. I want to be, whether it's my faith, whether it's in my business, my bank account, my health. Um, but if we really micro our lives a little bit more, I think if we take things day by day, those little those little things really add up in the long run. Um, you know, the, the 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 process of compounding, compound interest in things, really, really can you know propel us forward in life. Whether it, once again, whether it's in, internally from a, a mindset perspective, business, right. family, everything. Um, yeah. You know, take small doses and really build upon them. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Building relational dividends, compounding mm -hmm. the interest on 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 relationships on knowledge, on vision, all those things, not just money. It's amazing the difference it makes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Will, it, it has been a, a real pleasure to uh, spend some time with you. Yeah. You are on a, on a great arc there at uh, Atlas Motor. And uh, I'm excited about what you've uh, already accomplished, excited to hear the vision for where you're headed. And we wish here, you uh, great success, particularly yeah. as you have your, uh, you know, a big moment of going public here coming up soon. And so, uh, uh, thank you for joining us and sharing your thoughts on uh, um, you know the marketplace, entrepreneurship, God's grace. Mm -hmm. It's been a, a real pleasure to have you with us. And yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go oh, ahead. Oh, sorry. I was just Say saying I, I really appreciate being on here with you guys. It's been fun. Yeah. Well, well, thank you, Will. And, uh, you know, uh, the bottom line is, you know, Jesus gave us um, – he, he gave us a great – commandment. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And that wasn't just people living next door. That's people working next in the cubicle next to us or, 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 or in, in, above us or below us in a, in a company pecking order. And, and, but then he doubled down on it just before uh, he, he, he went to the cross to buy us uh, our, our salvation. And, and, and he says, I want you to love each other the way I've loved you. And uh, a, a grace-based employee is simply people that go to work and, and, and they treat the people they work with the way God treats them. Will Rodolfi, thanks so much for being part of this, uh, our, this in, a dynamic uh, discussion. It's amazing what uh, God has put between your ears, an incredible mind, and I'm glad you're living it out there with those people there and trying to do something incredibly good and new for our future. Mm -hmm. um, 
Listen, we love our listeners, and, and uh, we know you may have questions about some things we discuss today. Feel you can get a hold of us. Also, you might have a burden on your heart that just needs prayer. We here at, at, Grace Base, at the Grace Based Families podcast care about you. We would love to pray for you. So you can get a hold of us at family at gracebasedfamilies.com. Meanwhile, Will, you keep, uh, you keep going, going for it big time out there in the marketplace. Michael Tooker, thanks for being with you. I'm Tim Kimmel, and we'll see you on our next round. Thank you for listening to the Grace Based Families podcast. This is part of Grace Based Families Ministry. For more resources, check us out on gracebasedfamilies.com slash podcast or stream us on all major podcasting platforms. Once again, this is Karis and Michelle. Until next time.